So welcome everyone. Today we are talking with Sarah Braziel. Dr. Sarah Braziel is with the Institute of Educational Sciences and we're so excited to have her here today. We're talking about getting it down to a science with the Institute of Educational Sciences. So welcome Dr. Braziel. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right. So just a little bit about Sarah Braziel. So the Institute of Educational Sciences, or the IES, is the statistics, research, and evaluation arm of the U.S. Department of Education. Sarah joined IES in 2016 and is the program officer for the following four topic areas, autism spectrum disorders, reading, writing, and language development, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, and Technology for Special Education. She's also the program officer for the low cost, short duration evaluation and special of special education interventions grant program. Her prior research has focused on improving middle school teachers, pedagogical content, knowledge about integers and randomized control trials and quasi experiments to evaluate the effects of inquiry mathematics and science curriculum and in instruction mathematics, educational technology and reading interventions. Prior to joining the IES, she was a researcher for two IES regional educational laboratories, the Mid-Atlantic uh, from 2007 to 2010 and the Southwest from 2010 to 2013 and she received her PhD in mathematics education from the University of Texas in Austin. Prior to graduate school, she was a special education and general education teacher for 18 years, teaching upper elementary, middle, and high school students. And she also taught college algebra and graduate courses on research methods. So you are all about the science and so is IES. <laughs> We're really glad to have you, thank you. Thank you. So just uh, wanted to get into a little bit about, um, just give you guys some background about the IES. Uh, so Sarah was gonna tell us just a little bit about the history of IES, why it's established and a little and about its goals. So uh, yeah, just go ahead and share a little bit about that with us. Sure, so the Institute of Education Sciences was established by federal law in 2002, which was actually right around the time I was getting my PhD. And mm -hmm. um, it's the independent and nonpartisan statistics research and evaluation of the U.S. Department of Education. And I want to stress the importance of that word nonpartisan, because that means that when we have a change in the president of the United States, we don't experience as much change as other offices in the Department of Education. And our work isn't influenced as much by the new political agendas of each administration because we're separate. But our mission is to provide scientific evidence to ground education practice and policy and share this information in formats that are useful and accessible to educators, parents, policymakers, researchers, and the public. And we've been really trying over the last five years to, to do that a better job of that by making our reports and information shorter, using plain language to reach a broader audience. And we're continuing to leverage social media to get the word out about what we're learning. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to see more about what we're learning. And yeah, well, last thing is we're really looking, focused on evidence on improving academic achievement, um, particularly as a particularly of interest for IES. And then for students with disabilities beyond academic achievement, we're also looking at other outcomes like social skills, behavior, 
uh, functional and transition outcomes in a few. Mm -hmm. So this is a 20 year anniversary of IES as well. Yes, right. Yeah. And so that's a lot to celebrate 20 years of, and, and, and we see that a lot of things can really change when we have innovation and money put towards sciences. And that's why I just feel like the IES gives me so much hope that when I see my increased referrals, that maybe there is there are some research researchers out there that are looking into things that will help us to curb uh, some of these referrals and help children to to be better included and also to, for us to have more effective strategies and to intervene earlier and to prevent disabilities, hopefully from happening. So that. Just to have some hope and know that you're part of some vision of something that's being worked on at a higher level, I think is always just really important to me. Yeah. So what kinds of services does the IES offer to someone like me? It's just like an educator, not a researcher, basically. Uh, maybe I'm researching interventions to put my reports for students to use or that sort of thing. Yeah, that's great because I was a teacher too. And so I think um, one of the First things that I think is interesting is we provide statistical information about how our nation's schools are doing. So you can kind of think about, you always hear about your school and your kids and your district, but maybe you're curious how other states are doing. And so we have this National Assessment of Education Progress, the NAEP assessment, that gives us a temperature read on how things are um, doing in our nation's schools, and especially with COVID, you know, how is this impacting our students? And so that, that can be very helpful. Um, also, as a teacher, I think I would use some of the resources that we provide through our What Works Clearinghouse. We have summaries of rigorous research that's been con conducted at a level that a teacher would really appreciate. It's called a practice guide. So they pull out of research these high leverage practices that can really have the greatest effect on students. And they provide examples of how to use those practices in the classroom. Also, the What Works Clearinghouse provides um, some research reports called intervention reports. When someone is really interested if something works and it's being very popular in the social media and parents are asking about it, then they'll do an evaluation and provide a report that sort of summarizes what we know about that intervention, whether it works or not. And then they also conduct evaluation studies that are summarized in a, in a review. So sometimes that, that information can be helpful, especially if you have parents or people asking for a particular intervention they want their kid to be using and you want to see if there's any evidence to support that. And then finally, we do provide research grants and research grants are not just for researchers. Um, researchers um, often do work in partnerships with schools, practitioners, uh, teachers, school leaders to find ways to improve outcomes for people with disabilities or people in general. And so you can always partner with researchers to um, apply for a research grant to either develop an intervention or to test something out that's um, working in your school as well. Yeah, I saw that, that it, one of your, the low cost grants was about just trying to do things in your own special ed department to see if it will help improve your department, right? Yeah, and we don't have the low cost um, competition right now. We haven't had it for a few years, but we tell people that we encourage partnerships actually through all of our grant programs. And so the only way research can happen often is in partnership with districts. And so we just encourage you um, to consider partnering with researchers at local universities to study something that is of interest to you and to go for a grant. Mm -hmm. So um, I, 
can you just explain a little bit about how the IES is organized? I know there's there's different departments and it, it kind of got a little overwhelming to me when I was looking at all the different departments. So, but it's sure, boiled down to four, right? Is that right? Yeah, and I'll, and um, if any of you want to look at our website while I'm talking, you can. It's ies.ed.gov, G-O-V. And when you look at our homepage, you will see these the four centers sort of highlighted. Um, but what it doesn't really say is that we are led by a director and he actually has his own blog. So in the search uh, search tool, you can actually type in like director blog and you can he's he's he writes really actually really well interesting blogs that shows you sort of some things we're interested in uh, funding research on. So I highly recommend you, you look at his blogs. Um, we are the director is advised by the National Board of Education Sciences and this national board is made up of sort of these top researchers and practitioners and policymakers in the field and they sort of guide IES about what we should be studying and thinking about. And then we have a science office and the science office oversees our peer review process and um, that process is actually for two things. It, they review um, any kind of big paper or report that's going to come out of IES. And then also we get together peer, a peer reviewer process for our grant program when people submit applications to, um, to score them and to, for them to recommend which ones should be funded. So the, those, those parts of IES are less well known. The things that are more well known are the four centers you mentioned. And so the first one is abbreviated NCES, you'll see on our website. And that's the National Center for Education Statistics. And their primary job is to collect and analyze data related to education. And so, as I mentioned, the National Assessment for Education Progress, the NAEP assessment is one of the things that they do. Mm -hmm. But there are many other surveys and assessments that they collect data on. I, I saw something yeah. that the NAEP was like the, the longest running consistent assessment on our nation's education yes. performance. Yeah, a lot of people so. are, have negative feelings sometimes about NAEP uh, because it hasn't changed. Kids are continuing to not perform well, like especially students with disabilities. But it's a good sort of temperature read for how things are going in our in our nation if we really are improving. And in fact, students with disabilities did not um, get hurt as much, it seemed like, from the data than um, the other subgroups that we look at uh, after COVID. So I think it's, it is an interesting data to look at, um, but it is at a national level. And so it's still important to look at your own individual state data as well as your own district and school data. And there's just so many things that you can like you can with the NAEP you can just dig into to see yes they have a data explorer tool you can actually look at the item level and find interesting things about how your state did on individual items like if you're a math teacher it's just it's there's just an enormous amount of data there if you're interested yeah um I, I know I've gotten lost trying to like look into all of you know how did girls do on mathematics yes, and how did <laughs> I even so once um compared data between Texas, which I've taught before in, and, and then California, and how homework was led to like greater outcomes in math for students in terms of, of long-term course taking, like higher course taking. And it was interesting, kids who did less homework in Texas actually fared better than, than kids who did more homework, whereas in California, kids who did more homework fared better than kids who did less homework. So it's just, there's just interesting questions you can ask with the data. And it's correlational research, so you have to be careful, it's not causation. Um, but it does give you like statistical significance of those comparisons you make when you're using the tool. And it's just, it's just kind of fun if you like to ask research questions. 
Right. And not everywhere in the United States is the same. Children right. do not read at the same levels all across mm -hmm. the United States. They do not do math at the same levels. It's we're really it really taught me that the importance of the need for all of us to have local norms available to us. If mm -hmm. We're evaluating for a learning disability. So and the second center we have is called the National Center for Education Evaluation and Regional Assistance. It goes by NCEE. And they conduct unbiased large-scale evaluations of education programs supported by federal funds. And so if there's any kind of big federal initiative like IDEA, they evaluate it. And so they do a lot of data collection every year, create reports that are sort of telling us how those programs are, are doing. They also provide technical assistance. And one of the programs they provide technical assistance to states through is called the Regional Educational Laboratories, or maybe it's more known by the REL program. So we have different RELs in our nation, RHEL Southeast, RHEL Southwest, RHEL Midwest, different ones. And they work with a group of states to understand their needs and then to try to support those states with research to meet their needs. And then they also bring research that's already being conducted by other centers to them to kind of show them what we're learning. And I actually used to work for uh, two different regional educational laboratories, had a wonderful experience. It's just a great way to be a researcher, but also work really closely with districts and states on trying to improve outcomes um, through their program. So if any of you are considering a PhD program or considering doing research in a, a future job in research, the regional educational laboratory program is, is I think you would be interested in. And if you, uh, you can click more on NCE to learn more about what they do. They're most well known for the What Works Clearinghouse, probably the practice guides that we provide, um, like I had mentioned before, with some really clear research-based practices that teachers can use in the classroom. Yeah, I've used those before. I've just taken them and parents will ask me questions and I print them out and say, you know, here, here are the best practices in this area where your child is having some need. And they find it really um, helpful. Yeah. And then there's um, the next two are the research uh, grant centers that you some people are more familiar with. We have the National Center for Education Research, and they provide research grants for conducting research for all students. And then where I work is the National Center for Special Education Research. And we are specific to students with or at risk for a disability that affects their academic outcomes. And so I'm a program officer, as Nazi mentioned, over several different uh, grant programs. I monitor grants that have currently been awarded to make sure that they accomplish their goals. And then I also provide technical assistance to people who want to develop a proposal for a grant. And I can review parts of applications and give people feedback. If an application doesn't score well when it's discussed by the peer review panel, I'm taking notes and I can share my notes with the applicant and talk about how they can improve their proposal and resubmit because it's really important to be persistent. Most grants are made after the applicant has applied a few times. In fact, I've had one or two that have applied five times before they would fund it, but were funded. Uh, we only fund about 12% of all applications submitted each year, and many of those are resubmissions. So it's, it's a very competitive program because we have limited funds. And so my role in providing technical assistance is really important. It's something that other um, federal agencies don't do actually. So. The National Science Foundation and the National Institute for Health, they also have grant programs, but they can't provide technical assistance because their program officers actually are involved in picking who gets the awards. And so they can't you know, provide much help, but I'm not involved at all in picking who gets awarded. And so that's why I can provide technical assistance. So you should definitely reach out if you're interested in applying for a grant, pro a grant through our program.
-hmm. Yeah, there's all kinds of uh, like self-training modules on your website too, mm -hmm. and how to how to, to present the how to put the uh, research grant together and what kinds of what kinds of things you're looking for and, and you keep everybody on track for what dates to apply and everything. Yes. <laughs> and our standards and review office has little videos that kind of walk you through the whole process mm -hmm. of like the application process, how it's reviewed, what does a panel review look like, and then also what happens after the panel. So if you're interested in, the, in that too, um, they have great videos on, on their website and it's like ies.review.ed.gov I think is the... Mm -hmm. Website. So what are you, what are you guys, I mean, I know every group that offers grants is usually looking for something in particular, or looking for something um, that is, that they're wanting to, that will help them to give them the grant. That's the, what, what kinds of things are you guys looking for? Sure. So we definitely are looking for people to develop or identify education interventions that are going to enhance education outcomes but especially that can be widely deployed. And because um, it's fine to study something at very small level, but is it gonna work in larger, you know, across the nation in, in many schools? So that's what we're looking for. And by intervention, we mean uh, practice, program, policies, or approaches. So it's kind of diverse in what we mean by intervention. We also are interested mm -hmm. in identifying what does not work so that we can encourage innovation and further research. Um, mm -hmm. We want to understand the processes that underlie effectiveness of education interventions and variations in their effectiveness. So some things won't work for all students, and we, and we want to know that. Mm -hmm. And we also want to support development of measures of academic achievement and progress. For example, there really aren't a lot of really strong measures of reading comprehension. Some of you may know that, and so we definitely are like, interested in funding measurement work. And so there's, there's several different areas that there's measurement weaknesses. Writing is another area. And so anyone interested in developing measures in those areas, we would, we were interested in funding that. Mm. You um, mean like all... assessment measures? Like, yes. Uh -huh. Like what diagnosticians give? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like, so the Gates McGinnity is one, it's been around for many, many years, but it's one that um, some researchers complain about. It's hard to get effects on that. So there's a need maybe for a new, newer um, reading comprehension measures and so things like that. Uh, also, you know, measures that are going to be better for diverse populations. Um, so those are some other, other needs. We also mm -hmm. support research and national leadership on core issues, and we do that through our research and development centers and our research. They have a real leadership component to their grant, and so that's something we're interested in. And it's, just, it's important to know that we don't fund programs. We, we really do just fund research. Because I often get calls that people are asking, like, hey, something's going really well in my school, and I would love it if, like, the whole state could use it. Is, do you have a grant where I could apply for so that I could scale this up across my district and then the whole state? Um, so that's not something that we would fund. Um, however, we can fund interventions being used in schools, and that would be the time of the people implementing them, as well as like the curriculum materials for the period of that research grant. Um, and so it needs to be connected to the research. Um, it can't just be a program that we're funding. Mm -hmm. And so what topics are hot right now in research? So I would say our biggest interest right now is um, addressing teacher shortages and challenges, especially in special education, uh, paraprofessionals, other related service providers, we really are seeing a shortage. 
Also anything to reduce teacher burnout. Um, so there's been a lot of challenges after the pandemic. And so any way to reduce burnout on teachers, like leveraging new technology, everyone's talking about chat GPT or artificial intelligence, something that could reduce teacher burden with grading, providing feedback to students, developing lesson plans or assessing students and monitoring their progress, as well as identifying the interventions. Um, we need interventions that are gonna support students with low incidence disabilities, such as intellectual development, uh, deafness and visual impairment. We, we, need, we know a lot about what works in terms of interventions, but where things break down is implementation. And I don't know if you guys had a chance to read the blog I wrote uh, with Nazi. It was released um, this week, but that was one thing Nazi recommended was um, research focused on improving implementation because there is a lot we already know about what is effective and it's just where it's breaking down right now is implementation. And then also really... there's a lot of administrative data. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, there's a lot of administrative data that schools and states have that could really be leveraged answers questions about the current state of education and factors that that might improve outcomes for students and so systems level research is something we're interested in um, using these large data sets so any of these ideas there's but but you know what i tell people is just because i say something is of need doesn't mean your idea wouldn't get funded so as long as you write a real well-written research proposal you know your idea could get funded but those are the needs that we're seeing right now right and, you know, it's, I always try to, I mean, I definitely have had times in my career where I've reached burnout and I try to evaluate what the burnout is from and should I, should I just quit and try something else or, you know, and that, the more I think about it is why start over, why not turn to innovation, to science, to, to research, to try to find, help, help move about a solution rather than quit and give up. And I think a lot of people in my own sort of search and soul searching for why I was, why I was experiencing burnout, I really came down, what it all came down to is in my job, I just wanted to be, feel successful and effective. And if, I think if people could follow science, they could feel more effective and they wouldn't burn out. And that's also part of it. So um, I really do appreciate you working with me to write that blog or, it, you know, really you wrote the blog, but just interviewing me and mm -hmm. it really made me feel like somebody cared, somebody was listening, somebody who had the ability to, to spread the word and get some information out there that, you know, no matter what system we use to assess for learning disabilities, if we first don't have interventions going then what what are we doing you know we we are it's really hard to assess for a learning disability i, I find sometimes when we don't have when we don't have real good interventions going on that sometimes we, we we end up becoming the intervention sort of gatekeeper because the special ed ends up taking the place of of some things that could be provided through interventions so you know and i you know every ever since Dr. Schultz is here. He gave me that phrase, banging the drum. I mean, that's what I just realized. I just have to keep doing this. I have to keep banging the drum and saying that, hey, this is something that needs to happen. So um, it may may take a long time. You know, we talked to uh, Dr. Shen last time. He, you know, he's been trying to talk about interventions his whole educational, you know, his whole career from the 70s. Um, but 
he he won't he he's not given up and you know if we really want to see social justice achieved through education mm -hmm. then we can't stop talking about it so no matter how hard it is that people no matter how hard people perceive it to be <laughs> just saying. right so yeah um so how can we keep up with news from the ies um, yeah, definitely. We have a news flash that you could sign up for if you look on our website. Also keeping up with um, social media, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. And then if you've ever used ERIC, the ERIC Clearinghouse, it's at eric.ed.gov. If you enter um, an award number from our grant program, you can see all the publications that have come out of that grant to kind of see what they're learning. And to find a grant number, what, um, our website, we have a search engine under um, the funding opportunities part to see what we have funded and you can search for grants we have funded and then each of those little abstracts has a grant award number mm -hmm. and you definitely are welcome to email me too with any questions and i would be glad to support you um i think nazi we skipped over the part about early career did you want to talk about that still sure yeah yeah so uh, we really are want to encourage early career researchers or people who are even teachers right now in schools or educational diagnosticians who are considering going into research i mean after i had been in a teacher for like maybe 15 years was when I went to get my PhD um, to really consider that and think about some of the support that we offer. So we have an early career and mentoring training grant program where researchers who are in their first few years of their PhD can apply to receive a grant where they get mentoring from a faculty person at their institution that's paid for and also they get to connect, conduct their own independent research. It's usually within the first three years of their receiving a PhD or completing a postdoctoral program at the time they apply. So it's a really great way to get started with research and get support. But also just really, I recommend that you reach out to us as program officers because of all that we can provide and technical assistance as you um, develop your research application. And also just maybe partnering with someone else that is more experienced to develop a research application. Also, one of the best ways to, to learn about our program and like how people get funded is to be a reviewer because you hear about what makes a strong application when they're having the discussions about pro strong proposals. And we really need the voice of practitioners and people working in schools to critique these applications. And your experience as educational diagnosticians with assessment, with how um, students are identified for disabilities, as well as systems like multi-tiered systems of support would really be valuable as a reviewer. And I think Anazi has pinned the link to our reviewer uh, website. It's iesreview.ed.gov backslash reviewer recruitment. And we definitely would encourage you to sign up to be a reviewer. It is something that you're paid for. And um, lately it's been virtual, but we may go back to being in person eventually and then your travel would be paid. And it's just a really great learning opportunity. And so if you have a chance to participate, we would love to have you. And you can always reach out to me too as sarah.brazel at ed.gov. Sarah's been listening to a lot of our clubhouses yeah, and just asking me a lot of questions. And I'm just so impressed and you know, not being a diagnostician, how well she's able to follow some of the issues <laughs> and ask the important questions. So uh, just really great to have somebody who's, who's just looking at it from the outside as well, kind of give a different perspective. All right, does, does anybody have any questions for Sarah about the IES and how it works? I hope you guys check out all the different services it provides. He's driving, he says. Oh, he's driving, okay. <laughs> all righty, yeah, no, it's okay if you're in the car wash, but 
definitely. I hope he gets some ideas. He's uh, Dr. Schultz is one of the leading researchers in our area. Um, helps us with finding uh, testing procedures for choosing assessments and synthesizing all the information and making recommendations and all of that. So um, maybe awesome. hopefully he'll, there he goes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Is your car wash over? Yes, car wash is over. <laughs> Hopefully you put the, the um, isn't it a convertible? You put the oh, hood no. up? Oh, no. No. I don't have a convertible. Oh, okay. I already, had, I already had my midlife crisis. So <laughs> I didn't have All righty. So did you get in on any good ideas? for? I always get good ideas from Clubhouse. I love that. I mean, I, I've been using that uh, uh, sites for years and years and, I turn everybody, I've, I have assignments in my, my program uh, that I, I teach for instructional matching and they have to use uh, those materials from what works and, and the, uh, all of that uh, as part of their recommendations. And I make them cite them too, where they got their recommendations. And I heard you say that you, you've used them too. But I do, you, you did call me a, re, I'm not a, you know what I am? I'm not a researcher, I'm a bridger. Okay. I'm a bridger. I try to, mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm, I'm like, like, why, why do we do what we do when we know what we know? And, you know, there's so many things that we know to do. We just don't do them. And, uh, I would like to study, uh, resistance to like early intervention, you know, resistance to really doing PBIS and things like that. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's the implementation work that we need. Right. Yeah. And it's and part of change, you know, change leadership can be part of it. Um, it's a systems thing sometimes too. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's why well, I went to get my PhD was because I was really tired of the school principal or the superintendent signing us up for a new math curriculum every year. And none of them are research-based and it's like, I can't keep up with learning new things every year and none of them have been researched. <laughs> so, right. Um, yeah. I think that's part of the systems level thing is we need our leadership to understand what research-based and if once well, they that, can get on board, that would help. Well, that was one of my, my big things is, uh, was P, PBIS. I was going through my program probably about the same time you were. Mm -hmm. And I was just baffled why people did not buy into school-wide positive behavior supports. Of course, we're in Texas and we like, we like the board. We like, you know, we still do corporal punishment and things like that. Yeah, that's but, where I was. I was in Texas when I started my PhD. I would say implementation research is where we need school partners. And so I think, you know, that's a great way for for people like you, Nazi, to partner with researchers and study how to do it. Yeah, we've all got to work together, no matter what our role. Absolutely. So where were you in Texas, Sarah, when you were, were you ever teaching oh, here? I was in, yeah, I taught in Austin for almost seven, eight years. And then I was mm -hmm. doing my PhD program, too. Oh, great. Yeah. And I, I knew that you knew about the region centers and yeah. some of the people here. And so you have a lot of familiarity with, with uh, the context with which we're doing our job. <laughs> yeah, I think region 13 was most of our training, but we sometimes went to Houston. Was it re region four? I think for our training. Mm -hmm. yeah. like she said she's people at IES are very helpful. I mean, I even, when I first was trying to start the clubhouse, I was, I actually reached out to the commissioner of the IES and he actually responded. So I was so impressed and he actually connected me with Sarah. Um, so like I said, they're, they're just willing to support and help, help anybody who's trying to 
understand the research, you know, how to get the grants, how to learn more about research, get more involved, anything, you know, that they're really good at um, helping everybody out. So we appreciate all of it. And I thought that this would be just a good way to end spring break and or start spring break, I guess, in the week <laughs> of spring break starting now. We're so excited about spring break. And, you know, and educational diagnostician week as well. So just to know that, hey, there's hope out there for a future for things to change. Um, so I was just saying, I was just going to close the room, go ahead and share the room. It's been recorded with anybody if you'd like. And we'd really appreciate that. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. And thank you guys all for attending. Bye.